Hello, I'm Nathan. Welcome to another episode of Bridging Chicago. You can find the Bridging Chicago podcast by going to www.bridgingchicago.com by visiting our Instagram and Twitter, where our handle is at Bridging Chicago, or by following us on LinkedIn. Today, I am joined by Jacqueline Ruiz. Jacqueline is a 29-time author, entrepreneur, and pilot. Jacqueline, thanks so much for joining us today. I am beyond excited to be here with you <laughs> and uh, excited to, to have this conversation. Thank you for opening up this beautiful space for us. Yeah, I, we were talking a little before we started recording here and I was saying, I just love your, your energy, your vibe, your spirit. It, it just is like contagious because I'm like so excited for what we're about to <laughs> hear and, and learn from you. Thank you. You know what? Uh, when I was uh, pretty young, starting my career, a mentor told me mm -hmm. that I had to tone it down and the energy. Oh, really? And I sat in my car and I cried. And then I called another mentor who had built a $30 million firm. And he yeah. said, absolutely not. Yeah. Oh, tune it up 10, 10 degrees. <laughs> so that's what I, I did. That because I feel like we would lose so much <laughs> of you if you had toned it down. So... <laughs> I'm glad they gave you that good advice <laughs> Thank to, you. to be you, not to. Uh, I know you're not from Chicago originally because we do. Uh, we did learn that you're from Mexico City, correct? Correct. Yes, I was. I was born there, uh, and uh, I came to the states when I was 14 years old. Yeah, tell me about. It, it, it's interesting because I was born in Mexico but moved to the U.S at a very, very young age, before I was like probably about two. Um, so I don't have any memory of being in Mexico. Can you tell me about what that was like for you when you were really young? Yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of an interesting experience for me because I was born in Mexico City, which at the time was also recognized as the largest, most populated city in the world. Uh, wow. So you can imagine the hustle and bustle and the, you know, the movement yeah. Um, then, uh, when I was about seven years old, um, my dad made the choice to move to a very small town of about 6,000 people. So, interestingly enough, that experience in Mexico, that going from the big city and mm -hmm. reading the Encyclopedia Britannica, you know, the English Encyclopedia mm -hmm. and all these amazing books in the city and coming to a very small town, it actually... Um, created this desire to leave that town because I felt like I was asphyxiating. You know, I was like, I, like, I can't yeah, change the yeah. world in this town with 6,000 people. So when we um, came to the United States at 14, um, it was like a whole world of possibilities. And, and I just, uh, you know, it, it, I became more adapted in the United States than I was, you know, able to adapt from the big city to the small town. Mm -hmm. So to me, it was all about the aspiration of the American dream. It was all about the, you know, the possibilities and, yeah. and what can I do, you know, uh, in this beautiful land of dreams. So, yeah. And I think, you know, we've, we hear that story of people coming here because of the, the American dream or the, the opportunity. But I think a lot of times people, see that there are still obstacles to those things. And um, it still takes work to really pursue that, um, regardless of where you're at. And 
what kind of what, one of the things that we've that we hear often from either immigrants or children of immigrants is that the the work ethic is is a little different because I think there's a, a sort of understood um, you know we came here for opportunity we're going to make the most of it and every moment you have a chance to do that for you did you see this in your parents or did you feel this in your family this this sense of like we're here to make a change in our lives and we got to work towards that absolutely i think that work ethic and that perseverance and the continuity of yeah. your actions you know that um, eventually lead you to something um, i you know came like i said at the age of 14 and i um I had the opportunity, unlike many young people that come at that around that age, uh, to dedicate my life to school. You know, yeah. my brothers and my parents uh, gave me that opportunity to say, you know, I was always like number one in Mexico and everything that I that was doing, I was like the, the top student and I had scholarships even at, at that young age. In Mexico, they give you monetary, you know, scholarships, even even uh -huh. when you're like in fifth, sixth grade uh, in, into secundaria, right? So I came with that sort of vibration of like commitment, right? And, and my, my dad always said, entrepreneurship is a way you have to be yeah. your own boss like you have yeah. to embrace that and you have to have your own business so i didn't know what type of business i was going to do in the united states but i just knew that i had to do something so the work ethic and the the compound effect of yeah. making every day count you know um unfortunately you know sometimes we give up right because we say well i'm doing this over a period of time and i don't see any results and i think uh you know, that's why people say patience is a virtue, right? And um, it takes a little bit of daydreaming. It takes a little bit of, you know, aspiration and, yeah. and affirmations. And of course, a lot of persistence and resilience and, and all of those things to, to get you over the, I say the hump, but over the, the area, almost like above water, right? Because sometimes yeah, when you're yeah. an immigrant, you know, uh, oftentimes it might feel like you have all the odds against you. You feel like, um, you know, you're swimming against the current and that, uh, you know, I didn't speak a word of English. Right. So I was like, you know, I had to start there. And mm. even at the age of 14, there were times where I felt like I was like inadequate and I was way too old to learn the language. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and it was interesting because I started thinking and dreaming in English, which to me, Honestly, it was like the weirdest thing in the world. <laughs> and to my mom was like, hallelujah. You know, yeah. I was so excited. She's like, I heard and I read about people thinking and dreaming. Yeah. This means that you're becoming bilingual. Right. And that was like my first breakthrough, you know, coming to yeah, the United Yeah, that's like the sign and... that you are um, competent in another language is that you like dream in that language. So I think that... Even the... though I didn't feel it, you know, I didn't feel bilingual, yeah. but... Because somebody else witnessing that, it gave me, uh, it gave me the confidence. So the next yeah. day, I came back. I'm like, I'm bilingual, or at least I'm in the process of becoming bilingual. And uh, then I did something crazy. Uh, within a year of arriving to the United States, I decided to choose German as my <laughs> third language, which okay, I learned in English. <laughs> I'm like, you know what, if uh, I can take it up a notch, you know, yeah. then English will be easier, you know, so yeah. I did that and I, 
I really got into the German. I became a German tutor. I, mean, I was a wow. weird Mexican that spoke German and tutored German and yeah. you know, part of the National German Society. So that was pretty, That's pretty awesome so cool. experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that is pretty awesome. Um, you mentioned something that, that I hear a lot in that is um, in order for you to be able to uh, get educated and, and really reach for your dreams, that meant sacrifice for the other members of your family. And not just sometimes the parents, but I've seen sometimes where it's like one family member won't, will start working at 16, you know, not go to school, start working at 16 in order to help provide for the family so that other family members can go to school or can, um, you know, go to college or do other things. Um, and that's a really interesting concept for me because like in the US, we just think that everyone goes to school until they're like, you're required to go to school. The police actually come to your door and, you know, truant officer will come and, and, and take you to school. Um, so it, it's not something that I can really, that I have a, experience with. So for you, um, were there, I mean, there were, I'm assuming there were family members that made that sort of sacrifice for you. And if there were, um, how did that make you feel about, um, you know, what your opportunity was? And then also, what, how did that affect your um, understanding of education as a resource and how important it was for people to be educated? You know, um, you, you know, and these were my two older brothers. And of course, my parents kind of followed suit. But my, my older brothers had already been here in in Schaumburg, actually, Illinois. Okay. And um, as soon as we arrived, my older brother said, you know, he knew how devoted I was to education. He knew that I was, you know, um, like said top of my class everywhere I went. He's like, you know, you're very smart. You need to continue education. And um, he was the one that literally took me to high school because I arrived mm. two months before freshman year. And he took me there and, um, and, you know, again, I never had to worry about paying bills. I never had to worry about working. Um, so I, yeah. I was able to complete that. And, and then, you know, subsequently, you know, um, yeah. and associates in marketing and all, all that stuff, but it was with their support, you know, cause they saw something in me yeah. that, uh, you know, they're like, okay, we have to work, you know, to support our parents, but, uh, you, you know, I was you know, granted, I, you know, the only child, the only girl in a family of three um, and my older, you know, my brothers are seven and 11 years older than I am. Okay. So I kind of grew up like the only child in a way, and, yeah, you know, this spoiled yeah. brat, you know, um, <laughs> but it was also, my mom wanted to have a little girl because they were very rambunctious and a lot of energy. And she's like, I just want to have a little girl that is like cutesy yeah. girl that, right. and then like sweet I was born, she was like, wow, you have more energy than the two boys combined <laughs> and another five people, right? Yeah. And, um, so, but it was like, you know, so every day for me became, um, like I said, that micro moment. You know, I always say that life and happiness is measured in micro moments. Mm -hmm. So I started to become aware of the blessings and every day, you know, if I hit a milestone, um, I would continue to advance, you know, and, uh, and to me, learning and education is the most beautiful and sublime uh, gift yeah. that we can give to the world. And when we, that's why I've published 29 books of my own and, you know, with my publishing company, almost 300, because wow. 
I've dedicated my life to capturing those micro moments and capturing those lessons and the intellectual property, the resources, the experiences to encapsulate them, you know, and share that with the rest of the world. And I'm kind of obsessed about that, you know, in a way. Let's talk about micro moments for a little bit, because I think uh, younger generations today are much more in touch with their uh, emotions, their spirituality, their their mental health than I think previous generations. And so one of the things that I've noticed is that for for young people, it seems like these micro moments can be um, huge moments. Like they, they get like something in the past that may have with past generations may have seemed small, may have seemed insignificant with these generations seem huge and seem big and whether that's you know the good moments or the challenging moments it seems to be magnified so for you sort of when you think about micro moments how do you uh how do you assess them um you know live in them and then if it's something that is challenging how do you move past that in order to still be able to do um big things because i think sometimes we get caught up in those moments and if it's not the, the best moment, we can get caught up in those two and we can kind of make that affect more of our life than maybe it has a right to or should. You know, for me, um, there were, there have been a few incidents in my life that happened that uh, sort of awakened that sense of measuring, not the macro, but the micro moments. Uh, and, and really that stems from the gratitude that I feel in my heart. I feel like, you know, during adversity, I intensify my gratitude. And that mm. came from specifically three moments. One was when uh, when we moved from the big city to the small town, um, there were two boys that, uh, you know, basically set our house on fire. And um, we had a huge shelf with the most amazing books that I devoured. And that was, you know, standing when the fire had subsided and knowing that 80% of those books were gone. It was one moment of complete devastation, but it was also the moment that awakened me to the the power of knowledge and the power of experiences where I said, I've already read these books. I know that they're burned, they're gone, but now I'm going to make those concepts come Mm. to life. So books from Bill Carnegie, Napoleon Hills, Ziegler. Now this came to me when I was 12. Little did I know that at the age of 21, I was going to face one of the most difficult things. And yet at the age of 23, even more difficult, something that was going to almost take my life. Um, When I was 21, I was diagnosed with cancer, Mm. cervical cancer. And they told me I was not going to be able to have children. I married at 21. I married very young and um, they had discovered this condition. And um, so I set on a path of, you know, treatments laser, like all kinds of things that you can think of and really, you know, facing the prospect of, you know, when you hear the word cancer, you think about death. Um, But it wasn't until I was 23 years old that I had finally started my business. I walked into an Indian restaurant. I tried one of the Indian spices that caused an allergic reaction, sending me to two different hospitals, being interviewed by 40 doctors and discovering that I Jacqueline Ruiz was very lucky to have a rare condition that happens in one out of 150,000 people in this part of the hemisphere. Mm. And I had type two, which was three cases, you know, 3% of the cases found. So it was like winning the lottery twice. And when they discovered it, uh, it was pre-cancer level four. So essentially 
I was born with this, a little sis that was provoked by this amazing spice because I wanted to embrace the culture. I love wow. all cultures. And it was through entrepreneurship and through the idea of embracing this beautiful culture that it saved my life because I could have died without even knowing why. And yeah. even with that surgery, at 23 years old, when I was about to graduate from College of DuPage with my marketing associates, when I had a five-month-old baby, and I was, all these things were happening in a brand new business. I was in a hospital bed, um, it makes me emotional because um, hooked up to every tube you can think of and with the prospect of either dying in the next two weeks or being fed out of a tube for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Those were the two things that the doctor said, unless everything was okay, which I, I chose yeah. number three. And I told them like, I need to get up by next Thursday. So yeah. <laughs> when you ask about this like resiliency and this yearning for living and enjoying each moment. And, and it's, this is probably going to sound amazing and, and sort of out of this world, but I remember having this out-of-body experience, you know, and I was overflying Lake Michigan. I was at Northwestern Hospital, downtown Chicago. And, you know, years later, I had this inspiration, this divine download to become a pilot, right? I was doing marketing for an aviation school, but I mean, from doing that to saying, I'm going to be a pilot. And right. A Very different. But yeah. I just felt amazing inspiration. I didn't know why. I was traveling the world, doing my keynotes, you know, talking about my books and doing, you know, all kinds of stuff with, you know, two little kids, you know, at that time, uh, even though they told me it was not going to, you know, my miracles mm -hmm. and businesses and my, my nonprofit, you know, organization for young Latinas, all of this stuff. I'm like, how am I going to find the time? To become a pilot but it came to my heart it was so vivid that 10 years later i am literally the pilot in command overflying lake michigan wow at about the same angle and about the same distance as i was when wow. i saw myself in the hospital bed yeah i turned the controls over to my instructor my co-pilot and i said i need a minute give him the planes the plane controls and I just looked over at Northwestern and remembered, like, this is the reason why yeah. this seed was, in, you know, was put in my heart. Yeah, so yeah. to me, you know, after going through that at such a young age, I said, I'm going to live every moment. I'm going to yeah. dedicate my life to service. I'm going to renew my contract with God and the universe through my acts of kindness every day, you yeah. know, and, and, and I renew that gratitude contract, you know, every single day. And and part yeah. of that is having a positive attitude and and just expecting the best and giving the best of you every day, you know? Yeah. And I think um, I'm hearing you also speak things into existence. You speak things into your life. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I assume that's very important for you as well. Yes. And, you know, things, man, I was telling uh, some family members that are visiting, like, People tell me that I everything I touch turns to gold. I don't know how much of that is true or not. I do know that uh, there's an incredible power of manifestation that I've secured or maybe because of my sense of urgency to serve and mm -hmm. to, like you said, manifest things into existence because, you know, I want to, if, you know, if I'm called, you know, home, you know, I, I just want people don't know who I was, whether it's yeah. in my role as an entrepreneur, 
you know, at the head of this, you know, top agency, marketing PR agency in Chicago, or whether it's my publishing company that serves authors around the world, every, every, every opportunity to create a touch point with someone becomes an yeah. opportunity for an encounter yeah. and therefore creating a micro moment of magic. So yeah. to me, I'm very cognizant about that. And I, there's not a day that I'm not grateful for all the roles that I have. And, and the fact that, you know, I came from nothing and I have been able to achieve the American dream. I became a millionaire. I published 29 books. I've traveled to four continents to speak, to share keynotes, to, you know, uh, spread, you know, my wings and, and through yeah. service. So yeah. it's, it's a beautiful thing. I, you know, if yeah, I was grateful before when things were not ideal, I mean, <laughs> now I'm like grateful times a thousand times. You right. know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so cool. Um, I, I find it interesting. I, I know that you loved reading amazing literature growing up, um, especially influential business authors. Um, what about these authors inspired you? Because I, it's so interesting. Like you don't hear about 14 year olds that are reading <laughs> some of the books that you are reading or some of the authors that you're reading. So um, what inspires <laughs> you about that? You know what? It was, it was, I also my mom that I'm her personal development experiment, I'm like <laughs> a little personal development monster because she, you know, since I was the youngest and the only girl, I was always with my mom everywhere. Mm. So almost like the only child, right? Cause my brothers were older and they were doing their own thing. Yeah. Um, and I started actually reading way early. Uh, I don't know how, but my cousin remembers that I, I was reading when I was like four years old. Mm. You know, just, she was very impressed. She's like, oh my God, how yeah. do you, you know? But I was always around books and, and, and shortly after, you know, all the books that I had around were motivational books, inspiring books, books from Dale Carnegie and Napoleon Hill, Zig Ziglar. And I was specifically touched by Napoleon Hill's uh, Think and Grow Rich. You know, he took 20 years to interview the top leaders of the world. I mean, top, mm -hmm. top, top. And he came up with 13 different characteristics of the riches of the people that had achieved, you know, that kind of level of success. Yeah. And I was mesmerized by that. Mm -hmm. You know, there were some things, you know, like the concept of the mastermind. I mean, when I was little, I was like, what in the world is, I thought it was brain surgery. You know, yeah. That's what I thought it was. And since then, I've read those books again and again and again, you know, and I continue to kind of live those principles. And yeah. same thing with Dale Carnegie. He created this golden book of 31 principles to live by, to create beautiful human relations. And mm. um, I read that book when I was a little girl. I read it again. And many years after, I'm hired by the third top franchise of Dale Carnegie in the world, which is located here wow. in Chicago, yeah. to basically do a strategic marketing plan and do their public relations campaigns. And yeah. I did several projects for them, graduated from one of the leadership courses, and 35 CEOs select me as the highest human relations award from the Dale Carnegie organization. So it's, uh, and actually, I think I even have a um, this is my tiniest little award, oh. but the biggest one in my heart. And, and yeah. you can actually, it's a tiny little golden book with the 31 principles of human wow. relations. And it's, yeah. you know, it's a life, a life of 
you know, trying to do your best, a life of building trust, a life of serving others with my heart. You know, I always say that I've left like part of my heart, part of my soul, part of like with every client that I worked with, you know, with every campaign, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because I, I give it all, you know, and I, yeah. I, you know, I try to, you know, build that trust and for them to know that I have their best interest in mind. And yeah. that has been, you know, our formula for success, you know, really showing up as a trusted partner. Yeah. But it came from those books, you know, I didn't know yeah, any yeah, better, yeah. right? Like a right. young girl, but they well, were. I think it does show. <laughs> I think it does show. I've always thought that children understand more than we think that they do. So when you say mm -hmm. stuff around children, uh, they pick it up and they understand things more than we expect them to. And I think it can go both ways. Like one, you got to kind of watch what you say because, you know, <laughs> they, they hear, they listen and they, they know. Um, but two, like if you put them around the right people, the right resources, the right books, the right um, educational TV, uh, that they can really understand a lot and that they can, mm -hmm. can, you know, put that in the back of their brain and apply it later in life. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's great that you were reading those books so young. And I, and I hope that more people are doing that. More people are exposing their children to as much of the world and as much of those kinds of things as possible. Yeah. And you know what they say that up until what, seven years old, you have like, you learn so much, like you basically mm -hmm. absorb right. all of the stuff, you know, by the age of seven, which yeah. is just unbelievable, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's really crazy, but um, what a beautiful, you know, and, and I just like, if it hadn't been for those books, Nathan, like, I would not be the person that I am today. Yeah. I would not wow. have achieved what I have achieved because if you look at my ecosystem, if you look at where I came from, if you look at, you know, even some of my family members or something, you know, it's like, it's not, um, I'm an anomaly. And mm -hmm. I wish that more of us, more Latinos and more Hispanics and more women, you know, would reach those levels. And I, yeah. I'm on a mission, you know, my mission is to elevate women and I've dedicated my life to share their stories, you know, through my books and my anthologies and, yeah. and all of that. And, I recently graduated from an accelerator program at Stanford University, uh, from Stanford uh, Graduate School of Business. And um, it was interesting because they come up with a report about Latino entrepreneurship every year. And they say that uh, the biggest the biggest jump for an entrepreneur is, you know, going from a, being a solopreneur to hiring your first employee. That's like the mm. biggest hurdle. Okay. And, um, and, and it's interesting because out of all the people that operate, uh, you know, Latino businesses in the United States, you know, specifically for this segment, only 9% of all the businesses have actually jumped that hurdle wow. to become an, to become an employer. So there's so much more opportunity. And for me, you know, once a mission chooses you, it's like, it's, it's part of you. Right. And in yeah. that mission for me to elevate women, goes across you know my nonprofit for young latinas ages 12 to 25 to mm. the largest collection of latina stories called today's inspire latina in the world that i created in 2014 yeah. with 10 volumes and you know close to 240 authors to 
even with a plane, you know, with my little airplane, you know, taking people up, I've taken over 100 women up in the plane, you know, so that they can feel the, the wing, you know, the beneath their wings and yeah. just the magic of flying. Um, so it's, it's just, a it's been an incredible journey and I'm, even yeah. with all the obstacles and adversities, I, I'm like, I'm alive and I, I'm grateful yeah. to God every single day for that. Yeah, it definitely shows. Um, we know that you are one of the few Latina sports pilots in the U.S., which is really amazing. So kind of two things from there. Share with us what a sports pilot is. And then, um, you know, knowing that there are few Latina women doing this and, and really in other industries as well, um, what do you think the value of uplifting women and Latina women especially, what does that add to the social impact, to the economy, to the, the zeitgeist of America? Oh my God, uh, two amazing questions. One, um, the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, decided to create a new license in 2014, 20, uh, 2004. Okay. Um, they decided to create a new license uh, that was right below the private license for a pilot uh -huh. because of the declining population of pilots. Um, oh, okay. As you might know, a lot of the pilots are retiring, you know, uh, yep. from, you know, the military area or, you know, um, so a sports pilot is essentially a pilot that flies light sport aircraft, which is a new category of airplanes that was also created along with the license by different manufacturers. And it's a two-seater airplane, uh, almost like a sports car for the air. Um, okay. And you basically, the limitations is that you cannot fly at night and you cannot fly into the clouds. You okay. have to have direct contact with the ground at all times. Oh, okay. So essentially you fly when the weather is beautiful. That's yeah. basically what it means, yeah. which I mean, it's like beautiful, right? Um, and for me, you know, I have this amazing passion for books, right? And I, I just published, you know, my 29th book in Tequila, Mexico, and it was beautiful and amazing. And then um, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, how can I how can I combine this passion of aviation that has changed my life? with a passion of books, you know, because I published my first book ever in 2010. Um, and uh, I decided to combine the two. And in 2020, I went on, a, on an incredible journey to find other people like me, other uh -huh. pilots, aeronautical engineers, uh, air traffic controllers, you name it, military pilots, all Latina women. Now, let me tell you, it took me about six months with my vast network to find them. Yeah. With that, I decided to create Latinas in Aviation book where they shared, you know, a little bit of their story and their background wow. and where they came from. And, and that has exploded into a beautiful pathway of opportunities because now we have pilots all over the world. We have two magazines. We have a Latinas in Aviation festival that happens every year. This year is going to happen on October 1st in Maryland in one of the most restricted airspaces in the world. And we were making wow. history because this airstrip is also known as a field of firsts. A lot of yeah. records have been created. And it was the it is the longest running airstrip in the world. Because even with 
because there's a heavy, you know, military, um, air, you know, activity mm -hmm. in that area. This mm -hmm. was the only air, airstrip and airspace that remained open when many, the majority of others closed. So yeah. we were able to celebrate Latinas in aviation, land, you know, 10, air, 10 airplanes, a helicopter, land there and do, you know, head military, head the FAA and a lot of the major airlines joining us uh, to talk about the book and talk about the stories of these women. And now we're actually coming back with volume two of the book and, and doing that. So it's, you know, like I, I love your your perspective too, you know, and the types of questions that you ask because sometimes those questions kind of yield like if you have a passion, if you love something, right? Sometimes you could just ignore it or, or sometimes you can surrender. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you see a common denominator with a lot of the people that you interview, a lot of the entrepreneurs, you know, it's like where they surrendered yeah. to a passion, to something, yeah. right? That yeah. makes, I don't know makes their heart beep like my daughter said when she was five yeah. years old my heart is beeping i'm like you heard those and beep she's like yeah <laughs> it beeps when i'm happy i'm like wow <laughs> like we better get to the doctor if your heart's beeping <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> no i love it um we know that you have an event coming up here in a couple weeks uh tell us about what's happening on august 22nd Oh my goodness. I, you know what? Uh, it, one other dream come true. Um, World Leaders Forum is uh, an initiative created by Judson University many years ago, okay. close to 11 years ago. And uh, this is a, an architectural, you know, Christian university, architectural based, you know, Christian university in mm -hmm. Elgin, Illinois, mm -hmm. that started bringing all these incredible leaders, Condoleezza Rice, Mark Cuban, George W. Bush, all these amazing world leaders, uh, uh, Presidente Felipe Calderón from Mexico and mm. many others. And my husband found, you know, it's like, oh, my God, Felipe Calderón is coming to Elgin, Illinois. right? <laughs> and so we were like, wow, let's go see him. I started getting involved. I felt, you know, this amazing connection with the university and its people and the students and the approach and all of that. Um, yeah. Several years later, as I started to volunteer and help them, they invited me to be part of the board. And now they also have invited me to be a host in the World Leaders Forum Inspirational Series. Wow. So on August 22nd, we're bringing in Edward James Olmos to share the importance of education, the importance of our yeah. Latino community, the trends, the things that he's seen and the, you know, what he things you know the landscape of what we can do as a community obviously yeah. for the community at large so yeah. i'll be on i'll be at the stage with him interviewing him along with wow. rick najera who's a hollywood producer that is also flying in for this incredible event and i'm you know i'm honored for many reasons one because my heart is with judson second because our core values align beautifully mm -hmm. you know the spirit of service and third because they have become a vessel for bringing the top leaders around the world. And, you know, who doesn't want to be surrounded by amazingness and, you know, yeah. and creating those micro moments. Right. And yeah. uh, so that's what I'll be doing on, on August 22nd, local companies and, and organizations, and even, you know, people that uh, want to fly into town uh, for this incredible historic event. Um, of course, welcome to join us and, and be part of this. Yeah. Yeah, 
That is that something that people can get tickets to, or is it a public yes. event? Okay. Yes, it's absolutely um, a public event, and uh, the the website is judsonu.edu forward slash WLF Inspiration. So World Leaders Forum Inspiration, and that's where they awesome. can get the tickets, and, and they're very affordable. Plus, people can also purchase tickets so that some of the students can join us as well. If oh, you wanted yeah. to purchase a block of tickets for, for a few of the students, um, yeah. and all of the proceeds go to scholarships, to the Rice program and, and other programs at Judson University. Yeah. So, very exciting. Wow. It's amazing, and getting to support education is, is always important. So it's so cool. Um, I, I want to thank you so much for everything that, that you share with us. I think this, like, this is why we do what we do, getting to hear these stories. I mean, it's interesting. People will ask me, like, oh, why do we do our podcast? You know, why does a law firm do a podcast? And it's like, well, this is the reason, because when other people hear stories like this, you can't not be inspired. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. My pleasure. And, um, and again, I want to thank you for creating this space because it, it is through conversations and storytelling yeah. uh, that we're able to continue to lift the human spirit, right? And, and continue to get those amazing ideas that keep the world moving and going round and round. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's exciting. It really is. And I think kind of to, to bring it back to what something you said earlier that I, I want to make sure people heard too, is that, you know, it, we, we do celebrate the wins and we do celebrate that it, you know, it takes work to get there, but that your gratitude increases when the challenges come, I think is really kind of mind blowing. And I think that that's really something that we want to make sure that people hear is that you know, in those times, um, to increase your gratitude is very probably difficult, but there's so much value in that too. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, for me, gratitude is the greatest accelerator mm -hmm. to achieve your dreams. Yeah. And hands down, you know, it's like something is going bad and immediately go back to the center and I start thinking, okay, but what is going well? Yeah. And then from there yeah. build you get objectivity, you get a lot of magic. And, um, you know, I'm known for a phrase that uh, kind of sums up how I sort of live my life. And that is that taking off is optional, but landing on your dreams is mandatory. So, wow. you know, with that perspective, you know, uh, a lot of magic happens every single day. Yeah. Well, what, what a quote to leave us with. So thank you so much. Uh, we want to thank our listeners for tuning in to this episode of the Bridging Chicago podcast. You can connect with us on Instagram and Twitter, where our handle is at Bridging Chicago. You can also find us on LinkedIn by searching Bridging Chicago or visiting www.bridgingchicago.com. And be, also, be sure to visit JackieCamacho.com or visit her on Instagram, where your handle is at Politina underscore official. That's P-I-L-O-T-I-N-A underscore official or her Twitter at Jackie Amazing. Jackie, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you so much. What a pleasure. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Bridging Chicago, as produced by the SATC Solutions Center. Nothing contained in this podcast shall constitute financial, investment, legal, and or professional advice. No professional relationship of any kind is created between you and the podcast host or guest. You are urged to speak with your financial, investment, or legal advisors before making any investment or legal decisions. Furthermore, the opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of SATC Solutions Center, SATC Law, or any of its employees. This podcast is created by the hosts and guests' individual capacities. All opinions on this podcast are or have been rendered based on specific facts under certain conditions and are subject to certain assumptions and may not and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including but not limited to or use in or in connection with any investment purposes or legal proceeding.